On this episode of Creepy Cheesme, we will hear some big true crime news that will leave you speechless. Then, we dive into the stories and ghosts of Chicago, as told from one of my fave books, written by Ursula Bielski, Creepy Chicago. All this and more, so come join in if you dare. Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore. And this is Creepy Chisme. Listeners beware, some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lora here with another episode of Creepy Chisme. Wow, <laughs> how y'all doing? Me? I'm okay, I'm alright. <laughs> Summer vacation has definitely changed me. I've learned a lot about shit. I love that though. So important to have that learning mindset, something that took me a very long time to learn. But yeah, I'm here, getting older, getting grayer, but wiser nonetheless. Life has been so busy and I have found it very hard to set up and sit and record, but something's lit a fire in me this week to do just that. And here I am, talking with all of you fine people. <laughs> Sorry, I've been, an, uh, I've been on a Titanic movie binge, which, by the way, is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Probably top two. Not sure if it's first, but very close. Which actually, this binge, I am embarrassed to say, may have been brought on because of the missing sub, which is no longer missing. It seems they knew from day one what happened, but still wasted millions searching for what they knew was not there. A moment of silence for the five billionaire millionaires who willingly paid $250,000 each to dive down knowing how dangerous and deadly it was. <clears throat> anyway, well alright then, let's get right into these updates because your girl cannot wait to share this with you. It's time for an updater story I've recently heard. So the majority of this episode is going to be a lot of updates because a lot of shit went down this week in the true crime world. I'm super, uh, I don't want to say excited, but I feel like you are mi gente, you know what I'm talking about when I say excited. Like, in no way do I mean, yes, people got murdered. Absolutely not. When I say I'm excited, it's because I'm actually getting to live through what's happening, possibly. Let's just get into it, okay? To begin with, oh Chicago, <laughs> I figured it seemed fit to talk about this since I'm going to talk about a little bit of Chicago haunted history and ghosts. Oh lord, another body has been pulled from the Chicago River in the same area the last body was found a few weeks ago. Now I don't remember because it's been so long, forgive me. But I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, but just a few weeks ago, a body was found of a guy who was at a concert in Chicago behind what is known as the Salt House. 
Um, it's a place where they have a lot of concerts. I didn't even know it existed. I know where it's at. I see it all the time when I pass by. But yeah, they have concerts there. And somebody went missing. And it was weird. And immediately when I heard that story, me and my sister, we always text each other about stuff like that. And it's like, they're going to find him in the river. Like, I knew. I knew it. And they did. Just the next day. Well, this isn't fucking sane. <laughs> Dude, how? we not announced a serial killer yet at this time he's unidentified he's definitely an older gentleman this time they said about 63 no description was given and you want to know what really blows my mind is that all the short articles that i read about this say nothing of the young man who was just found there after going missing a few weeks ago after that concert. No media has tied the two together. Maybe I missed something. Nobody's mentioned the last 11. Yes, 11 other mysterious deaths labeled drownings since December in Chicago. Yeah, 11 and probably more honestly. Now out of the 11, two are labeled undetermined and the others just labeled drowning. And off we go back to normal life, right Chicago? Now these stories of these victims are all very similar. Out late at night, walking home alone, only had a drink or two, were nowhere near intoxicated, very successful lives, no reason to take their own lives as stated by friends and family. I mean, come on, what is going on here? How many more times does this have to happen before we realize something is going on here? This is huge, you guys. I can't get over the same location with these last two, same manner of death, like how is that not suspicious? And I bet you they're going to say this older gentleman was an accident, right? He's old, he lost his balance, he fell, it was an accident. That's so wild to me. Now shout out to my cousin Marisa for sending me this article, and honestly, when I read the title, Unidentified Man's Body Pulled from Chicago River Near the Salt Shed, I thought, okay, yeah, I read that already because that happens a lot. People send me like the same stories and I'm like, oh yeah, I read that already. But then I read the date and I was like, oh my God, spit my Fruit Loops out and everything, you know, because I was eating breakfast. <laughs> I really was. I was reading breakfast when I was reading her text and I spit my Fruit Loops out. So yeah, I'm trying to follow this accidental drownings, but a girl can't keep up. I cannot keep up. 11 known drownings since December. I believe, yeah, since December of 2022. Insane. So my listeners from the area around Chicago, please be aware of your surroundings, especially you gentlemen. Seems to be targeting men. Not sure why. But be careful. Try not to walk alone. Always walk with a friend. Something's going on. Be safe. Be safe. Because I do have some friends that live in the city. And I worry about you guys because you do go out a lot. I have some family too. You guys go out. I see ya. <laughs> don't walk home alone, please. Please don't. Literally before recording this, I got a notification on my phone that people are using children. Yeah, people are using children with their address written on a piece of paper and the child comes up to you and they're like i'm lost but this is my address can you take me home and it's a home near wherever you are but the thing is people are being taken for whatever reason i don't know 
And that is scary because I work with kids. If a kid came up to me and said, help me, I'm scared. Like, I'm gonna help you. And, but now, but now, <laughs> yeah. Think twice and just listen to your intuition like I always tell you guys. Family, just so you know, if I ever go missing and there's surveillance, there's information, you better put it out, I don't care. Because TikTok, they got my back. So yeah, please be careful. My Chicago people, please be careful. All right, I'm about to hit you with a big one. Grab your nalgas, mi gente. This is gonna be crazy. All right, a long time ago, I did an episode on Murderers Among Us. It was about known serial killers who are just out there living life today, walking among us. One of those was known as a Long Island serial killer. And if you wanna be more specific, they were also known as the Gilgo Beach Killer. Well, if you want to know all the information, um, go listen to that episode, but trigger warning, it is fucking scary. <laughs> it definitely gave me nightmares, made me paranoid as fuck, and my anxiety was wild. So if you want all the deets, check it out. But anyway, so nine women, a man, and a toddler they were all buried along a beach in a remote area of Gilgo Beach, I believe is how you say it. Very specific way they were found. Um, the majority of them were all wrapped in a burlap sack. This was about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, I think. So today, I receive a headline. Suspect arrested in serial killings of women near Gilgo Beach. Now at first, I got excited, okay? I wasn't eating Fruit Loops, I didn't spit them out. <laughs> This was a little bit later, but I got excited because I saw Serial Killer, right? And to live in an era where we find a serial killer, I'm just, oh, yes. Perfect for Creepy Cheesement. I needed some inspiration. Here it comes. Thank you, universe. But then the name Gilgo Beach ran through my head again. And then when I saw the words Long Island, I freaked out. But then I was calm. I calmed down because... It's probably not the guy because you know how people are always like oh suspected serial killer or suspected murderer and then it turns out not to be them so i didn't want to get my hopes up so i was just like no there's a lot of shit involved in this case again if you want to hear it go check out my episode murderers among us but yeah so i tried to calm myself down and i was like read the articles first then i read why he was arrested and where he lived and it all just fit together and I'm pretty sure this is the guy. I mean, he doesn't look anything like I would think, right? But that's the thing about serial killers and I'll talk about that a little bit later once I get into this, um, this article. I mean, there are similarities in serial killers but like look-wise, I mean look at John Wayne Gacy, right? Chubby white guy. Here we have another chubby white guy, yeah. Oof. Now, I have so many questions though but wow, okay. So as I'm actually reading this, because I read this this morning, there's more information being released because today, no, yesterday, sorry. This was Thursday. They took him in on Thursday and then Friday was a hearing uh, for setting bail or whatever. And that's when they give information. Like they have to give the reasons, right? Like why they're booking him. And so it was a lot. And so little by little information is still coming out. And I have a few things to tell you now. <laughs> I can't even get my words and I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so let's just get into it. So Thursday evening, Rex Hureman, 
a New York architect who worked out of Manhattan, was arrested for three killings. I believe he was actually uh, taken into custody in Manhattan. He was arrested for three killings and it's not yet announced who they were. Also, it's said that he has possible ties to a fourth killing. Now, he worked in Manhattan, like I said, but he actually lived in Massapequia, I believe is how you say it. <laughs> Massapequia Park, which is only, I looked it up on Google Maps, a 20-minute drive to Gilgo Beach. This is crazy. He lived in a rundown looking house. It was the house that the kids skipped on Halloween because it was creepy. Yeah. It said that he had two kids and he was married. I don't know if he's married now, but he was married. At least I can say that. But yeah, lived in a creepy little house, which is kind of weird because if you're an architect, I would assume you are making some kind of money, especially one in New York, but all right. And I don't know, maybe it's the true crimer in me, but I feel so annoyed by his neighbors because, you know, when something like this happens in your neighborhood, they go talk to the neighbors, right? And everybody's like, oh, I never would have thought it was him. I'm so shocked. One guy was like, oh, he always wears a suit. <laughs> he always wears a suit. It seems like a nice guy to me. Dude, my neighbors are nice too, but I still have come up with numerous scenarios that they're murderers or criminals. That way, if I ever have to be the person interviewed, I can be the one that's like, I knew it. I knew they were up to no good. <laughs> Neighbors are so weird. That's what my life goal is to have a house away enough to see them but not look into their house. Because right now, I'm in a house where the neighbors are a driveway away and it's terrifying. They do some weird shit too, let me tell you. Like stay in their shed working at 3 a.m. or hang out in the garage all hours of the night. <laughs> They probably think I'm weird too because I'm in the garage at 10.30 at night. They're probably like, why is she sitting in the garage? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I definitely keep an eye on them because that's, that's suspicious behavior. Who is in their shed at 3 in the morning with the door open, music blaring? Nothing good can come from it. So their suspicious behavior, they're already on my shit list. Gotta stay safe. So yeah, why Rex? And what led police to him? Well, they've said that... They've been on to him since January. So there were some phone pings at and around his work route, and I believe at the train station he would sit at or wait at, and near his home. The thing with him is he had a lot of burner phones. So they had all these different phones that were traced back to him, and yeah, I believe one was even pinged like at on his block. Yeah. They also claim to have DNA proof. This is gonna bite them in the ass. DNA proof found on one of the victims and they obtained Rex's DNA by using a pizza crust from a pizza box he tossed in the trash. Yeah, they really do that shit. After his arrest, they looked at his computer and found a list of very disturbing, and I'm not kidding when I say very disturbing topics. I saw the list cause I'm that fucking weirdo that needed to see it it's out there it's public so find it if you want but it'll probably be better if you never see this shit with that dna evidence like i said he's definitely looking at a strong case against him i'm just curious but i hope like most serial murders because you know they love 
the attention. They do. He will love the attention and confess to all of the murders because these victims' families have suffered a full decade. Let's give them some closure. So yeah, this is just the beginning of a huge story, and I'm here for it. To report it all. The mind of a serial murderer. I, it just, uh, it's fascinating. The way they think, the way they... Ten years, this man has just been living life. Commuting to New York City, Manhattan. It's insane. So definitely going to keep my eye on that case for you guys. On to now something big. But I can't get excited for this especially this because we've heard this all before another man has come forth and admitted to the killing of jean benet ramsey and when i first saw this i rolled my eyes and my eyes are pretty big <laughs> so that was a long ass roll but i did because i've seen this title many many times and nothing comes of it so here we are again but this time just listen mi gente it almost sounds too easy if it's true. So here's what happened. But b before I give my opinion, <laughs> I'm fired up. I'm, I'm on a roll. Don't hold me back, y'all. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> we all know the horrific case of Jean Bonnet and how they believe she was killed in her own home on December 26th. I believe she was six years old. She was beaten and strangled to death in the Ramsey's basement. For years, conspiracies have surrounded this case. I mean, the reason I've never really gotten into this case is because there's just so much to tell. You can go in so many directions. There are, there were so many, so many suspects that led to nowhere. However, even with so many directions, the case has remained unsolved. I've said before, if I was granted to know anything by a higher power, I would definitely ask, who killed JonBenet Ramsey? <laughs> but anyway, so a man by the name of Gary Oliva, who is a convicted pedo, yeah, while serving time in prison has confessed numerous times to a high school friend that he claims he accidentally, let me say that, he claims he accidentally killed JonBenet. Apparently, he's written this friend lots of letters explaining that he did it, but also explaining that he's been obsessed with the young girl since her murder. Police, I think, kind of just figured he's insane and wants attention, and they kind of just ignored Oliva. However, a few years after the murder in 2000, they did DNA test him. It was not a match. So they turned their cheek to him, pretty much, and now... A former high school classmate is begging investigators on the case to look at Oliva once again. So here's what's come up, and it's just red flag after red flag. So first, during the winter of 1996, the year of the crime, Gary Oliva was homeless, and he would kind of sleep on the streets of Boulder, Colorado. A lot of times, he would hang out around the University of Colorado campus. Now, this campus is less than a mile from the Ramsey home. But even wilder is Oliva also hung around St. Thomas Aquinas, and that was literally two blocks over from where the Ramseys lived. There was also an alleyway that went from behind the church to the Ramseys' house. Now, the high school friend said Oliva could have gone undetected if he really wanted to by walking through the alley. Jean Benet's bedroom window actually faces that alleyway. The Ramsey kids were known to ride their bikes up and down the alley. 
Now, the friend is kind of thinking that it's possible that Olive stalked Jean Benet after seeing her maybe in the alley or through her bedroom window, developing an obsession with her, and maybe even just kind of stalking the family, learning their routines and watching them. But not just this, mi gente. The high school friend says, on December 27, 1996, the morning after, Oliver called him out of breath and said, I hurt a little girl. And then he just hung up after the friend started questioning him, like, what the fuck, right? What, what are you talking about? The man then later heard the breaking news that morning and decided he was going to call police with a tip, right? He's just had somebody tell him they hurt a little girl in Boulder. Now, police never did anything with that tip because they didn't reach out until 2002, five years later. The friend of Oliver says he firmly believes that Gary had something to do with it. Quote, that damn phone call convinces me that Gary's involved. I got a phone call six hours before it was in the newspaper from someone in Boulder, 13 houses away, telling me they'd hurt a little girl. End quote. Now, Gary Oliva in 2002, while being looked at in regards to this case, was found to have attended the vigil for Jean Benet on the one-year anniversary. It is here that they found an image of Oliva seated in the first row, holding a large folder under his arm. Why? No one knows. What was in the folder? No one knows. Now, Oliva had been arrested in 2000 on the university campus for drugs and possession of a weapon. That weapon was a stun gun. Along with that, he also had a picture of Jean Benet as well as a poem he wrote to her titled Ode to Jean Benet. Now, if you have ever fallen into the Jean Benet rabbit hole, then you know that it's thought that due to strange markings found on her neck, Police believe the stun gun may have been used to subdue her before her death. So here's another creepy detail. While he was arrested, it was discovered that there was a warrant for his arrest in Oregon for a child sex crime. So he was in big trouble. He knew it, too. While in custody, police told him, you know, they found out about the warrant and they were like, you know what? You are never going to be allowed to come onto this university campus ever again. To which he responded saying that he was kind of sad about it because he no longer was going to be able to leave little mementos on a rock where a memorial plaque for a previous student, Susanna Chase, had been. Now, Susanna Chase was beaten and sexually assaulted and left in an alley in Boulder, Colorado in 1997, just a few short months after the Jean Benet murder. However, in 2009, Diego Olmos Alcalde was charged with her murder. So case closed, I guess, right? Honestly, I'm feeling like they should open it again. That is if Oliver does get charged for the Ramsey murder. Now, police said when questioned about both murders, he got very emotional when speaking about it. But why? He claims it's just because he's passionate. He was charged and imprisoned for the drug possession and the warrant, but he did his time and was let go. But in 2016, he was arrested again, this time for uploading images of children being sexually abused to his personal email while on public Wi-Fi. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Now, at the time, he was still homeless, living under a bridge, actually. 
Police found 695 images of child pornography and also 355 photos of Jean Bonnet. 19 of those were from her autopsy. I guess somehow um, pictures from the autopsy got leaked and he must have found them and decided to keep them. Why? No idea. They also discovered some pictures of shrines made for Jean Bonnet. It's not very clear if he made them or where they were located. He also had phone numbers named to Ramsey family members as well as videos that pay tribute to Jean Bonnet. He also had photos of other weird shit like torture pictures, pictures showing scenes of cannibalism, and mutilations of dead bodies. You know, just the normal stuff. Also, personal drawings, mostly showing these similar things too. In his possession, he also had an American Girl magazine as well as an adolescent skating magazine. When arrested, Olivo told police that he had a problem. You think? You think? <laughs> oh, Lord. He said he had a problem with young girls around the ages of eight or nine. So fucking gross, dude. Now, three years after the arrest is when the letters began. I'm not going to read the letters, but yeah, that's when the letters started coming to his high school friend. He claims it was an accident. He let her fall and she hit her head. He claims she changed him, that he's remorseful. He's so sorry. He talks about killing kids. So many, he doesn't even remember how many he killed. All these letters were sent to the Boulder police and nothing was done. The Boulder police were reached for a comment. Their only statement was that yes, they have investigated Oliva before and they received tips daily about the Ramsey case. That's all they said. <laughs> so it's not very clear. Uh, what does that mean? Are they looking into it or not? Now the high school friend hopes bringing attention to this will force the police to look into it. He also hopes a new DNA test will be given to Oliva, seeing as they are more accurate today than they were in 2000. I don't know, man. I don't know, mi gente. A lot of this information is kind of mind-blowing, the fact that he lives so close. But then there's a part of me that thinks that he's a pedophile. And yeah, when this case that happened in the place where he lives, and he didn't do it, he becomes obsessed with it. He becomes obsessed with Jean Bonnet. And he starts looking at all the pictures, and he starts thinking that it was him. And maybe he's so crazy that he really does believe he did it, you know? I know it's really expensive to do DNA tests, but at the same time, when you have nowhere else to go, and unless they know who they're looking at, or they have some hard evidence on somebody else, like her brother, um, it, I, I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't look into something with so much detail. Alright, mi gente, like I said, I was just really excited about these updates and there were so many more other things too but like I said I tried to <laughs> split them between the episodes but um, I really wanted to get these out to you guys because it's all fresh and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more details on these cases coming up very soon so hopefully I can keep up with them. <laughs> Alright mi gente, it's time to get creepy.
So today's a little bit of fun, just a little, because I spent a lot of time on those updates, but I'm still sitting here with my mouth open like, what? <laughs> Last December, I think I told you guys, we went to a Krampus type of little convention, little gathering. And um, I don't know how I missed it, but my brother found a bunch of Chicago books, ghost stories and all that kind of stuff, paranormal stuff. And I got them for Christmas. Actually, the majority of them are written by someone named Ursula Bielski. And she's a paranormal investigator or ghost hunter. And she studies Chicago. So Ursula Bielski, uh, she actually grew up on the north side near Wrigleyville. And she claimed that her house she grew up in was haunted. She still lives in the same neighborhood. And she's always been interested in the paranormal. She always loved hearing stories such as the curse of the Chicago Cubs nearby Wrigley Field to the ghosts at local Graceland Cemetery. In college, she liked to join the psychology major students by investigating reported hauntings. And she's been a ghost hunter ever since. But anyway, um, it's, it's a small book, but I'm not going to read the whole book to you. <laughs> um, I just want to share with you some of the things that I found interesting. Because my family and I grew up around Chicago and, you know, we, we've heard of things, but like, do we actually, do you actually know the history of it and why it's haunted or what happened there? So it was really interesting to find all of that out. I mean, these are places that we pass all the time when we go into the city or people who work in the city, buildings they work in and they don't even know this, you know? So yeah, I just want to share some interesting points that I've found in the book and it's always good to hear some ghost stories right <laughs> all right so let's start with fort dearborn now this fort is near the chicago river hmm interesting <laughs> yeah a lot of weird shits happened in the chicago river it's just a scary place okay <laughs> actually the other day i think i asked my sister i was like do people like float down the chicago river in floats because i know in like the south they do that a lot in like rivers and stuff and I'm like, do people do that in the Chicago River? And then, I don't know if it was my sister or brother, but they were like, do you want to crash into a dead body? Or, and I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, so the fort was near the Chicago River. And that's kind of where the river joins Lake Michigan and where the Michigan Avenue Bridge is. Beautiful spot. Apparently, if you travel downtown to the bridge, you can see the outline of the fort in the sidewalk. There's pieces of metal in the cement that mark where the fort once stood. In the side of the bridge and next to these metal markers are sculptures of scenes from Fort Dearborn's history. I've seen those many times, had no idea what they were. So the fort was actually built in 1803 and at the time Native, Native Americans were still living in the area. So these white soldiers kind of came in and the natives were upset about it but life continued on. They didn't really get along, but they kind of kept their peace and just left each other alone. That is until the war broke out. So in 1812, fighting began between the US and Great Britain, and some of the Native Americans sided with the British. I'm sure they were forced to side. Oh, cause you know, history. Mm -hmm. um, the settlers and soldiers living at Fort Dearborn were ordered to leave the settlement in case it was attacked. Nearly 150 of them began the long trip east on foot toward Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's kind of where they were supposed to go to just kind of stay safe. However, they never made it. 
So when the group reached the sand dunes along the shore of Lake Michigan, near what is now 16th Street and Indiana Avenue, a band of Native Americans loyal to the British attacked them. Holy shit. The sand dunes? That's where we go to the beach. The Native Americans killed most of the settlers and took the rest prisoner. This was known as the Fort Dearborn Massacre. Some of the prisoners later died, others were kept as hostages and sold to the British, but eventually they pretty much all died. The Native Americans returned to Fort Dearborn and burned it to the ground. Some soldiers who had remained behind burned with the fort. So yeah, they all died. Now the bodies of the victims of Fort Dearborn were left on the sand dunes exactly as they fell. When American soldiers returned in 1816 to rebuild the fort, they found that the victim's skeletons were still in the sand right where they had died. That is so creepy, dude. That is so fucking creepy. This was stuff I didn't know. <laughs> Years later, Chicago was established as a city and the area of the massacre was developed. At that time, people started to see strange things near the massacre site, including figures that seemed to float above the ground. These included old-fashioned figures, meaning their clothes were not from this time period, and seemed to be from an earlier time period. They all looked lost or sad. These sightings of these figures was very common, that is, until a statue was built as a memorial to the massacre victims on the site 90 years later. And some believe that it brought peace because a lot of the sightings have diminished. I <laughs> just got attacked by a beetle. <laughs> that was so scary. They just like fall into you. I don't understand. <laughs> Sorry. There is one soldier though who reportedly died in the fire of the fort itself. He is seen a lot. Sometimes people passing by on the Michigan Ave Avenue Bridge say that they see soldiers marching. These ghost soldiers are dressed in old-fashioned military clothes, and the soldiers quickly disappear after appearing just for a second. Can you imagine being downtown Chicago and seeing this? I'm about to swat this beetle. It's a June bug, not a beetle. Get, oh, it's ridiculous. Get out of here. And they like fall on you so hard. This is so scary, I need to get out of here. I'm pretty sure it landed on me but I can't see right now. There's also another ghost that haunts Fort Dearborn. He's known as the Fort Dearborn Phantom. Mm -hmm. He shows up in different places. One particular known as Excalibur. Club is not open anymore. It actually closed in 2012. But anyway, so the club was located in a popular tourist area. Nowhere near where the fort was. A lot of people that went to Excalibur claimed that they would see ghostly figures slipping through the halls and up the stairs. Bartenders at the club have also said that glasses would break behind the bar for no reason. A lot of ghost hunters that went to Excalibur claim that it's haunted by a man named John Lalime. Now, Lalime was supposedly killed by Chicago's first white settler, John Kinsey. Kinsey fought with Lalime over the ownership of a cabin. This house was located directly across from Fort Dearborn. After Kinsey killed the lime, he buried him in the front yard of the cabin, and the lime's bones didn't stay there, though. They were later dug up and given to the Chicago Historical Society. 
And guess where that society was located once upon a time? At the nightclub where Excalibur sat. A lot of people familiar with this story think that Lime wants his bones returned to the grave on the property. Too bad though, because it'll never happen. The historical society building burned to the ground during the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Everything inside was destroyed, including the bones of John Lime. So I guess he's stuck in that area where the nightclub is. I wonder if they ever built anything in that area. I don't go to the city enough to know, so forgive me. Chicago's like one of those cities. It is so fucking beautiful. They have gone to like New York, Dallas, Austin, Mexico, Guanajuato. Guanajuato City's beautiful too, but in a different way. Um, and yeah, I know I haven't been to many cities, but... Oh, Vegas, right? But Chicago is fucking gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And But living around the area, I guess we take it for granted and we don't always go. But when people come into town or like we go down to the city for the day, I'm always just reminded that it's so beautiful and I should come more often. But I do want to do uh, some ghost hunting. There's a lot of paranormal groups around Chicago and I'd love to interview some of them and go on these ghost hunts. Um, there's a lot in the city, but they also do the suburbs, which would be really cool too. So yeah, those are the ghosts of Fort Dearborn. I'm not sure if I talked about this ghost before, but it's a Chicago favorite. Everybody knows this. A lot of towns have a story about a phantom hitchhiker, right? And here in Chicago, the most famous, one of the most famous, is known as Resurrection Mary. Now, the woman known as Resurrection Mary was first seen in 1930 on the Chicago South Side. A man spotted the beautiful girl who had long blonde hair. She was dressed in all white at a dance and he asked her to dance and they danced the entire night. She didn't really say much. At the end of the night, the mysterious girl suddenly became like super worried. She begged the boy frantically for a ride home and thrilled at the chance to escort such a beautiful woman, he quickly obliged. Once they got in the car, Mary would give her potential suitor very vague directions. She said she lived up Archer. Then as the car neared the main gates of Resurrection Cemetery, instead of a kiss goodnight, the driver would get the scare of his life because that's when Mary suddenly opened the passenger door and jumped out. That's fucking scary. <laughs> She runs right through the cemetery's lock gates and disappears into the blackness of the graveyard. Over the years in Chicago, incidents just like this have happened. I think my dad claimed to have seen her walking near there when he was driving home one night. Mm, I should ask him about that. But all of the accounts are nearly the same. However, a few account that they actually ran her over because she was standing in the road. Others claim she appeared out of thin air. A lot of the drivers stop for the beautiful woman and find nothing there. One man says that Mary left behind some permanent evidence of her existence. Around midnight in the 1970s, a motorist was driving past the front entrance of Resurrection Cemetery. He saw a young woman staring out from the locked iron gates. Her hands were clutching the bars in fear. He figured that the woman had accidentally been locked inside the cemetery after closing time so he called the police. He told them to go to the cemetery and let the woman out. When police got there though, they saw no one. Then something else made their blood run cold, because on the steel bars of the cemetery gate, 
in the exact spot where the young woman was said to have been. Two handprints were branded into the metal as if by an incredible heat. These handprints are still visible today. People come from all over to view the bars. I've heard this before. I've never gone to see it, but I've heard it. Despite having been painted over many times, the metal remains eerily discolored and resistant to cleaning. So yeah, I should definitely go check that out. Now, Archer Avenue is a famous street around Chicago, and there's a lot of action on Archer Avenue, including Resurrection Mary. But nobody actually knows why it's so haunted. Um, maybe a lot of car accidents, maybe as far back as when the Native Americans lived here, because it used to be a, a Native American trail. Maybe it was like a sacred path filled with a lot of spiritual energy. And in regards to energy, there's a large number of rivers, canals, and streams in this specific area which can also be why so many spirits travel through it. But there's also the tale of the Irish canal workers. A lot of Irish immigrants were helping to build a canal, and due to poor work conditions, a lot of lives were lost. So a lot of people think that it's these workers that haunt the road. So if you want to see a ghost around Chicago, you should definitely drive down Archer Avenue. Oh, I've been down Archer Avenue a lot. <laughs> Now everybody knows the Sears Tower, the Willis Tower, whatever you want to call it. I think it has a new name again. I don't know. But anyway, there's another building that looks similar, but it's a little bit shorter. It's known as the John Hancock Building. Now the John Hancock Building was finished in 1968, and it's actually been the site of a lot of unexplainable deaths, terrible, terrible accidents. And oddly enough, now my aunt, she used to work in the, Han the Hancock building, I'm going to ask her if this is true, but apparently there's a side of the building where a colony of spiders reportedly make its way up the side of the building and then down the other. So they just like, they go up and then over. And this just constantly is happening year after year. So fuck the ghosts, I'm afraid of spiders, I'm not going there. Maybe that's why I never went there. But did you know that way before the building went up, there was a man by the name of Anton LaVey? Hmm, sound familiar? Well, that's because Anton LaVey is the founder of the infamous Church of Satan. Now, this religious cult had some interesting beliefs. Most people thought LaVey was a crackpot. <laughs> I love that she calls him a crackpot. But he did have some interesting ideas. For example, LaVey... LaVey believed that certain buildings can have strange effects on the people living in them. I truly believe this. If their rooms have strangely angled walls, the people inside can feel strange too. And also, they can be led to do strange things. Now each of the Hancock building's four sides has the shape of a trapezoid, sort of a triangle with the top cut off. If you look at the building from far away, you can definitely tell. Therefore, all of the apartments inside the building have one wall that is at an angle. According to LeVay's logic, the people that were living in the building might do crazy things, such as jumping out of high windows, because their apartments make them feel crazy. And oddly enough, trapezoids are known to be gateways for paranormal forces. So is the, Han is the Hancock building a gateway? Hmm? I don't know. There's also the famous ghost of Harry Carey, who was a baseball legend 
Um, he was an announcer at Wrigley Field. He died in 1998, and ever since, he is now known as the Wrigley's resident phantom. Why did he stay behind? Why wouldn't he? He loved being the announcer at the Cubs games. And the reason people claim they see him is because he has a very distinct look. Like, everybody knew Harry Carey. He wore, like, um, these really thick Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. He sang horribly, but he still sang the seventh inning stretch amazingly. <laughs> and he was well known for shouting, holy cow! So, yeah, a lot of people think he haunts Wrigley Field. But also it goes into the whole curse of the Chicago Cubs. And that's why he was haunting. <laughs> because he wanted to see them win the World Series, which they did. A lot of ghost hunters like to come here and try to contact the spirit of Harry Carey. But a lot of them say it's not Harry Carey that haunts the baseball stadium. It's actually a bleacher bum. <laughs> One of the Cubs' famous fans who died around the same time that Harry Carey died, actually. Now, another famous ghost around Chicago. Everybody knows Al Capone. Al Capone died in 1947. And he actually is seen in a lot of places in Chicago. He did a lot of business everywhere in Chicago. But he's uh, seen around the old Lexington Hotel on 22nd Street where he had an office. When the hotel closed, people claimed that when they looked through the window, they sometimes saw a dark figure moving from room to room. The building was abandoned, so no one should have been there. But it's also Chicago. The homeless people are in them abandoned buildings, so not very strong detail. But it was soon torn down, and Capone's ghost reportedly moved somewhere else. They claim that his ghost is on board his old yacht. Some believe that since Capone can't get into heaven, the yacht is the most peaceful place for him. Um, it doesn't say in this book, but I know he was... I know he has been, like, a lot of places around Chicago. Now, I've been to Lincoln Park, like, a lot. And in Lincoln Park, there is a totem pole, apparently. Um, it's a colorful totem pole, and a lot of people are weirded out by it. They say it gives them a weird feeling, and they claim that it actually shifts positions. Now, one of the totem pole's figures is a man holding a spear riding a whale, and for years, people have claimed to see certain changes in this figure. On some days, the man's arms and legs are in one position, and then the next day, the limbs will be shifted in a completely different pose. But a lot of people claim that it actually happens. Some people have said that they even have taken photos where the image looks different, so it is happening. Is it an optical illusion? Is it a hoax? Nobody knows, but it's fun nonetheless. Now, in the Native American culture, it is believed that totem poles can have the power to come to life. So definitely check out that totem pole and take a picture and then go back and take another and see if it's the same. Tell me. Now, I think I've talked about this before, but the Field Museum... If you have ever had the chance to go to the Field Museum in Chicago, Illinois, it's creepy. Now, I did go to the famous museum in New York because I had time to kill, and I didn't get that creepy feeling, given it was super crowded, but whatever. But anyway, I didn't get the creepy feeling I get at the Field Museum. The Field Museum is not my favorite museum. <laughs> so I was a little stricken with joy when I found out that it's actually haunted and that's probably why I'm uncomfortable when I go there. And actually, the most uncomfortable place in that museum is the Egypt section and apparently that's the most haunted. 
the exhibit is called Inside Ancient Egypt, and they display tons of Egyptian artifacts, including actual mummies. A lot of the employees at the museum claim that one of the mummies is still alive. <laughs> Creepy. The mummy's name is Ha-Rar. He is reported to escape from his sarcophagus at times to take nighttime walks through the museum. That is fucking scary, because I'm pretty sure I saw him before. Whoa. <laughs> Security guards know when he's on the loose because they occasionally hear his sarcophagus crash to the floor. When the guards investigate, they almost always find Har-Rar's coffin several feet from its display stand. What? No one's actually seen the mummy wandering the halls of the museum at night, but... Many have reported seeing shadowy visitors long after visiting hours have ended. Those who have seen them are convinced that these visitors are not real. Another area of the museum that is really eerie and creepy is known as the Man-Eaters of Sabo. It's a pair of enormous stuffed lions. When they were alive, the lions became famous for pretty scary reason. They ate almost 140 bridge builders in Africa. Insane. Apparently, an outbreak of disease killed off many of the animals that the lions would hunt for, and that's why the lions were forced to eat whatever was in the area. Apparently, these lions terrorized the people of their region over a nine-month period in 1898. Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson was the one who shot and killed them. He sold the lions to the Field Museum in the 1920s, and ever since, visitors claim the big cat sometimes growl, move, or disappear altogether. I actually enjoy looking at those. I think that's like in the bottom section when you walk in, near the Egypt section, um, if I'm remembering correctly. And yes, interesting. So yeah, be sure to check out the Field Museum. It'll definitely give you some creepy vibes. <laughs> and if you like history in general, it's a pretty cool place. So there's a famous cemetery around Chicago. There's a couple actually, but this one's known as Woodlawn Cemetery. It's in Forest Park. And in the cemetery, they have a section for animals. A lot of cemeteries do. And a lot of people claim that when they go visit, they can sense their animal or pet. They've even felt them touch them or rub against them, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's also some who claim to hear elephants trumpeting, lions roaring, and tigers. And these sounds are heard while people are walking through the graveyards in the usual section of plots called the Showman's Rest. This specific area was set aside a long time ago for the burial of circus performers. Visitors can easily find the section because it's marked by an unusual but beautiful stone elephant. But then there's also people who believe that the reason the animals are trapped is because in 1918, Near Ivanhoe, Illinois, there was a tragic circus train wreck. On the day of the crash, 400 circus performers and employees were riding the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus train. It was headed for Hammond, Indiana. Ooh, that's close to me. The horrible accident took place because another train was traveling on the same track. Both trains plowed right into each other. A number of the cars were completely wrecked and the crash resulted in a huge explosion and deadly fire. 86 passengers died in the crash. Most were never identified because a great number of the circus performers were known only by their nicknames. Today, many of the graves at Woodlawn Cemetery are marked only by names such as Baldy or Unknown Male. That's really sad. 
So a lot of people think that the animals that die tragically on the train are just trying to rescue their trainers. And then there's the non-believers who don't believe in the paranormal and claim that the sounds are simply because on a very windy day, all those sounds are due to the elephants and lions that live in the nearby Brookfield Zoo. Um, I highly doubt wind can take sound that far, but alright. And also, Brookfield Zoo doesn't have elephants anymore, so explain that. She also does a chapter on Bachelors Grove Cemetery. I did a whole episode on that, though. No, did I do an episode? <gasps> I need to do an episode on Bachelors Grove. I'm not going to talk about this, but it's in here. It's chapter 13. Go figure. Um, I know I made a TikTok about it. You can go check that out. It's one of my first TikToks, but there's a lot of weird shit, freaky shit that happens there. I'm talking aliens, paranormal, yeah, demons, all of it. <laughs> Now this one was interesting because I know a lot of people that went to Mount Carmel High School, but this is about the Mount Carmel Cemetery, another cemetery. I told you there's a lot of cemeteries around Chicago and they all have their legends and stories. So yeah, this is the Mount Carmel Cemetery, which is in Hillside, Illinois, which is kind of like a suburb just that's west of Chicago. This cemetery is actually where Al Capone the gangster is buried. And yes, he has been seen around that cemetery, but this is specifically about the bride and the baby. Apparently, this is the eternal resting spot of a saint. In 1921, Julia Bucola, a young Italian-American, died while giving birth to her baby. The baby and she both died. Julia's father was so heartbroken over the loss of his daughter that he buried her in her wedding gown and veil. The baby was laid in her arms and they were buried together in Mount Carmel. Later after the funeral, Julia's mother began having these strange nightmares about her dead daughter. In them, she would see Julia calling to her, begging her to dig her up. As these nightmares went on for six years, Julia's mother became super terrified and finally convinced her husband to unearth Julia's grave. The day they decided to dig her out, Julia's mother went to the grave with a group of grave diggers. The workers dug up the ground, and as they pried open the lid of the coffin, Julia's mother held her breath. She expected to see something ghastly, but to her surprise, despite the passing of six years, Julia's body was still perfectly preserved. Not a hair was out of place, and her skin had stayed smooth and flush. What's more, Julia's white dress remained spotless, just as on her wedding day. <laughs> they never understood exactly why this happened, so, of course, it was a miracle. A lot of people will agree that Julia Bucola is a saint, however, the Catholic Church has not recognized her as one. A lot of Italian-Americans will pray to Julia in the hopes that they deliver a healthy baby. She is known as the Italian Bride and even has a devoted statue on her gravestone. But creepier than that is on the headstone, they actually put a marble monument or little picture that shows Julia after she was unearthed, how she was peacefully and comfortably lying in her coffin. Oh yeah, it's there. You can actually look it up online. Just search the Italian bride or go check out my TikTok at creepychisme. <laughs> Now, Navy Pier is the spot where everybody likes to go, right? It's right on the lake. You can see everything. It looks 
it's amazing. It's just fun to just sit on the pier. Now on the pier, there's a beautiful ballroom. And one time we were out there really late and I remember peering into the ballroom and just kind of thinking like, it looks old fashioned. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And before all of the shops and hotels and everything were on, built on the pier and really nothing was around but the ballroom was there. During World War II, the ballroom was shut down. Now the U.S. Navy used it as a school to train airplane mechanics and after the war, the University of Illinois at Chicago used the ballroom as a gymnasium. When the school moved to its new campus though a few miles away, the heat was turned off in the buildings. Now due to Chicago's brutal winter weather, the ballroom kind of just went to shit. The copper ceiling started to leak and pieces of the roof began falling in. Before long, weeds were growing through the cracks of the beautiful dance floor and a lot of security guards and police would use the walls of the ballroom as target practice. How lovely. <laughs> but I think it's been restored because it's there and it's freaking beautiful. <laughs> now one story is known as the ghost in the ballroom. On a hot August night, a lone security guard set out on a routine walk to the far end of the pier, and that's where the ballroom is. When he got to the tip of the pier, he stopped to gaze out at Lake Michigan. It was after 2 o'clock in the morning and the guard decided to walk through the buildings. He checked to make sure that everything was locked and secure. When he entered the old ballroom, his eyes took a few seconds to adjust to the darkness. He walked across the old wooden dance floor when suddenly he felt something coming up from behind. Although he hadn't heard a sound, it terrified him and he reached for his gun and whirled around, but no one was there. Then a freezing cold chill passed through his body. Strange as it seemed, the guard was sure that a man, or rather the ghost of a man, had passed right through him. As scared as he had been, the guard told no one what he had felt inside the dance hall. A year later, the guard returned to the ballroom with a friend. This friend had psychic abilities. She could sense things that the others couldn't, and the guard thought that his friend might be able to communicate with the spirit. Sure enough, the psychic sensed a ghostly presence right away. She felt that the spirit of a man who often would go dancing with his wife haunted the ballroom. The man was waiting for his wife to die so that she could be with him. Then they could dance together in the ballroom forever. <gasps> oh, it's so lovely. As Ursula says in her book, Creepy Chick <coughs> I swallowed a bug. Don't ever record outside at 11 o'clock at night. As Ursula says, and as I have said, if you ever get the chance to come to Chicago, go to the pier, walk to the very tip of the pier, and then I think you kind of do like a little roundabout and you'll see the ballroom. It's, they keep the lights on at night. Unless they turn them off like late, late at night, but we were there around two in the morning. I remember the lights on because it is so beautiful inside. And I wonder if they have weddings there because I would definitely have, yeah, I'm not getting married. <laughs> Somebody will have their wedding there. I'll make them. But yeah, those were just some stories that I enjoyed from that book. Like I said, I have a lot more of her books that I want to get into. Um, make sure you follow me on TikTok because I do post some of the stories on there. I've done a lot of uh, haunted Chicago stories. Um, I have a lot of listeners from... Here comes a damn beetle again. Get out of here. Oh my god, let me just finish, please. <laughs> so sorry, guys. But yeah, um, on my TikTok, I post a lot of Haunted Chicago history stuff, so go check it out. Make sure you follow, leave a comment, 
Tell me if you've ever experienced something around Chicago. And also, has anyone ever gone on a ghost here, a ghost tour or a paranormal tour? I know a company that I definitely want to check out. I think they're actually called Paranormal Chicago. But if you know any others or one you really enjoy, let me know. And while you're looking up my TikTok, make sure you look up my Instagram and follow me there at creepychisme. Also find me on Facebook groups. I'm not really sure what to do with my Facebook group because I could literally sit there all day and post crime stuff, but I don't want it to be just that. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Let me figure it out, guys. So yeah, you should still follow me there. And don't forget, you can email me your creepy stories or anything you want. Any article you find, information, a case you want me to look into. I'm down for it, okay? So just email me at creepychisme for you. That's the number 4YOU at gmail.com. It's been too long. Once I get myself together and do this, like record and edit, the editing is, ugh, that's what kills me. I understand why people pay people to edit. And if I got paid for it, I would probably enjoy it. But it's really hard to do when you're already tired and then you have to edit. Yeah. I'm trying to get these episodes out to you guys as much as I can, but I really am enjoying my vacation and keeping busy with my little nephew. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for not bombarding me with, Lori, where are you? <laughs> Messages like last time. Um... You seem to be understanding, and I appreciate each and every one of you, mi gente, so, so much. Remember, you can always find Creepy Chisme on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts can be heard. And while you're there, make sure to like, make sure to leave a comment, a review, a five-star review. <laughs> That'll help us grow our creepy little community. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for standing by me and sticking through this crazy summer <laughs> thought i was gonna have a nice schedule but i guess i'm not so <laughs> so that means you definitely want to subscribe and get notified every time i post a new episode because it'll be here and there and everywhere <laughs> gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente.